0: Let me invite you to stand now and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. So we're in the Gospel of John chapter 1. We're looking at the opening verses of the Gospel of John, known as his prologue. And we've seen previously the assurance of God's love seen in the incarnation, the wonder of God's love that he has for us uh, as he works to send the Savior for us. And now we come really to find out that we as believers in christ have this wonderful sense of belonging that the sense of belonging that perhaps we seek in other ways and that we long for is ours in in christ and it's one of the reasons we celebrate at christmas so john chapter 1 and i'm going to read verses 6 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray together. Lord, how we ask for your guidance and your help and your encouragement as this text enlightens and enlivens us in our celebration of the advent of christ and lord how we look forward to his second coming as well and we pray you'd encourage us now together as your church in christ's name amen you may be seated Recently, I read an article from the Mayo Clinic about the importance of a sense of belonging. The article was entitled, Is Having a Sense of Belonging Important? And of course it is. And we know that because of the loneliness that we see, the isolation, the advance of sort of a digital culture. And this article from the Mayo Clinic talking about having a sense of belonging uh, even, even the Mayo Clinic can figure this out. In uh, quoting here from the article, we cannot celebrate the importance of a sense of belonging from our physical and mental health. We would agree with that. This sense of belonging that we have contributes to our mental and our physical health. And the article goes on, it says, the social ties that accompany a sense of belonging are a protective factor helping manage stress and other behavioral issues. When we feel we have support and are not alone, we are most resilient, often coping more effectively with difficult times in our life. Coping well with hardships decreases the physical and mental effects of these situations. And I I think, ending quoting there, I think the most important thing I saw from that article is this, when we feel we have support and are not alone, we are more resilient. And I think that's true. Uh, Even the Mayo Clinic uh, figures out the obvious. And it's true in our own lives as well. When we have a sense of belonging, we're more resilient. We're able to endure hardships together. I mean, that's what, in part, being a part of a church community is. We can go through hardships of life you know the reality of uh, that we live in a fallen world that people sin against us that sometimes our sin gets the better of us all of these things were comforted and we become more resilient when we have this sense of belonging and along with that sense of belonging and being in community it can be very encouraging and it can give us purpose but what do we do sometimes we seek that community in other ways. As we've seen the rise of isolation in our own society, so we have seen the rise of conspiracy theories. People really get their identity and their sense of belonging from being involved in a conspiracy theory and believing this conspiracy theory gives them identity. Some of us seek identity and that sense of belonging in family, but what, what eventually happens? Well, eventually our we find out our family is as dysfunctional as we are, and that sense of belonging is still lacking. Or we seek that sense of belonging through professional or, or political affiliation, and of course, if it involves politics, it involves disappointment. And so we're disappointed. And we try to cobble together this sense of belonging, but I'm here to tell you the greatest sense of belonging ever is right here in this passage for us it's the kind of belonging that we really long for that our our souls are satisfied with our souls won't be satisfied with any form of belonging in this world except what john talks about this sense of belonging so let's look at it together this sense of belonging comes to us the ultimate sense of belonging first because God sent John and we see this in verses 6 through 8. Now John writes about this matter-of-factly. He writes in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, but what's behind the words here is the incredible inbreaking into redemptive history of a sovereign God who orchestrates all the events of history and all the events of your life and my life. There was a man sent from god here god ends 400 years of prophetic silence and he brings john as the forerunner to christ to prepare the way for him we read in verse 7 he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light and so john the baptist his ministry of being a forerunner to christ is something that god in his sovereignty orchestrated in the exact right moment of history god has broken into this world to send a savior for us now we talk about sometimes that god is sovereign and what do we mean by that we mean he oversees all aspects of what happens in the cosmos that god is in charge that he causes things to happen that we don't control god that God is not answerable to anyone. He is able by his power to rule and to reign and to govern over this created order. That, and if you're one of his children, if you believe in him, then that should give you a tremendous sense of belonging, knowing that whatever you face, whatever I face, it is not by luck, good luck, bad luck, or by accident, but it is by the sovereign administration of God Almighty, whereby he is working for his glory and for our good. We may not be able to discern the good in this life. We may not know the good in this life, but we will certainly know in the next life. Whatever happens to us Let it then only serve to increase our dependency upon God and our trust in Him. And so, at the outset, if we're going to have this sense of belonging, we need to understand and know that history, as the old saying goes, is His story. That all of redemptive history is governed by God. That nothing happens by accident or luck. But that god is sovereignly administrating and organizing all things that happen what does this mean for us it means we can trust him we can trust him that we can stop thinking that the world is out of control that god has fallen asleep at the wheel and we can trust him that no matter what happens in our life that he rules and reigns. Just because something happens in my life that I don't agree with or I don't like, like losing that state championship game. Man, how about Bernie this year? What a season, even though they lost. What a season that they had. If something happens that we don't agree with in life, it doesn't mean God isn't in control or that it doesn't matter. We can trust god is what's being communicated to us here in verses six through eight that just as god brought john the baptist into this world as a forerunner of christ so god orchestrates all the events of history and we can trust him we can trust his guidance his leadership of this cosmos and at christmas we celebrate this Providence, this sovereign providence of God that he has at the right time in history brought Christ into the world. He who was fully human and fully divine, he has brought Christ into the world. And at Christmas we celebrate that God, even though it sometimes we doubt it, God is in control. And he is ruling and reigning now so we're talking about this morning really having a sense of belonging having an ultimate sense of belonging and part of how we do that is we first and foremost understand that god sent john that he is sovereignly ruling and reigning in the universe well not only that but what contributes to our sense of belonging is knowing that god makes a way for salvation And this we see this in verses 9 through 11 the true light this is in verse 9 which gives light to everyone who was coming into the world now notice here in verse 10 this is a one verse summary of everything that follows in the gospel of john a one verse summary of jesus's entire ministry verse 10 he was in the world the world was made through him yet the world did not know him The world did not know him. There's a tragic sense to that verse in the supreme sovereign ruler of this universe came into this world, yet the world did not know him. And in fact, it gets worse. Verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So those who should have understood with the types and the signs pointing towards those in the Old Testament who should have understood and had this spiritual background, should have understood who Christ was. Jesus' own people rejected him, did not know him. But just because they rejected him does not mean that God is not great. The rejection of God does not mean that God is not merciful and that he isn't great. So God makes a way to believe. What does this mean? God has, by His grace, extended the opportunity to know Him by introducing Christ into the world. We can look out the window and understand that God has revealed His character. God has revealed His character in the created order. We read that Psalm 19:1. The heavens declare the glory of God. So when we look out and we see the blue sky and the sunshine, we must acknowledge God's goodness and greatness in the created order. But as well, that not only has God revealed himself through creation, he has revealed himself through the Son. He has given us the living Word in Christ. Seeing Christ, we see and understand the very character of the Father in bodily form. And so, both through creation and through the Son, God has revealed himself such that, such that, in Revelation 20, the final judgment, the great white throne judgment, unbelievers do not respond to the condemnation that God gives them by saying that God is unfair, by saying they didn't know God in revelation 20 we read god as a righteous judge meeting out his judgment and no one complains no one says it's unfair why because in that moment god reveals himself the greatness and the glory and the justice that both creation and christ point to and has been revealed to us so god makes a way for us to believe if you think about salvation for a moment i'm decidedly and i hope you are too on the god side of things in other words if you look biblically how is salvation possible what is our contribution to salvation we sometimes think to ourselves well what's my part and what's god's part and we think in terms of a transaction that takes place but that's not a biblical way to think about salvation at all what do we contribute to our salvation well we can read in Isaiah 64:6 6, that our righteous deeds are filthy rags so even the good things that we do are not a contribution to our salvation instead we acknowledge Just like John does here in verses 9 through 11, that it's God who makes a way, not us. Christianity is the ultimate in-your-face statement that you can't, so God did. You can't earn your way to a holy God. You can't rectify or correct the sin situation that all of us are born into and all of us share together. You can't correct that on your own So God sent Christ for us to do that work. And so we acknowledge that salvation is of God, not of us. Now, some people would say, hold on, what about free will? A true understanding of free will is to say that free will was lost at the fall, and free will is only recaptured and this gets at John chapter 3 where Jesus talks to Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. Free will is regenerated, reborn only through the work of the Spirit. And so a biblical understanding of salvation is an understanding that we cannot save ourselves. So instead, it's an understanding that we are Ephesians 2:1, one dead in our trespasses and sins. So dead people don't make choices for themselves. Instead, what has happened, God has sent the Spirit, and this would be discussed in John chapter 3, God would send the Spirit to regenerate us, that we were reborn. Thus, we are enabled to choose. We are enabled to have faith in repentance only Through the spirit's work this is not something that we generate in ourselves god has made a way for us to believe so the bible does not celebrate man's free choice but instead understands that free choice only happens after the spirit regenerates us now one way of understanding this i saw this meme circulating i hope you saw it too because i thought it was really funny This whole idea of kind of making much of what we do and making little of what God does. Did you see this on social media? Uh, Someone asking, a meme inquiring, when the employee Christmas party would be for self-checkout at Walmart. You know, because we're all sorts of employees, and I, I just thought it was hilarious asking when the employee Christmas party for self-checkout was. And you know you know, Bernie people, getting a little snarky on the uh, social media. And so, you know, someone asked, okay, you know, I'm interested in when my picture is going to go up on the wall as employee of the month. And where's my parking space? And where's my employee discount? And then it bled over to HEB and Home Depot. So don't, you know, it just kept going. And this is really, you know, we go to the store. And I I acknowledge the sadness of the robots taking all the jobs. And, you know, we go to the store and we we slide that item to self-checkout grudgingly, grudgingly. And then we make much of what we have done. You know, we didn't stock the shelves. We didn't clean the floors. We didn't help other customers. We didn't deliver the goods, but we make much. Oh, look what I did. I self-checked out. How dare you check my receipt, by the way? I paid for all these things. You know what I'm talking about. And so here's, here's the application for us as we think about how God has made a way For salvation, a way for us to believe, we need to stop taking God's glory. We need to stop making much of what we have done. Participating in self-checkout does not make you an employee. Thinking that we contribute to our salvation and we deserve recognition takes glory away from God himself, as it were takes glory away from God, thinking that we've earned our way or we've contributed to our salvation. So the call here for us is to stop taking glory away from God and to recognize that salvation comes from Him. And part of the reason we celebrate at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of the Savior, is because of all that God has done to rescue us. We sung earlier thou who is rich beyond all splendor, a great carol that makes much of Christ leaving the throne room of heaven to come down to this earth to be humiliated, not just at the cross to be humiliated, but to be humiliated in the ordinary circumstances of his birth and his life. We celebrate this because this is what it took to rescue us. This is what it took to save us. We don't earn it and we don't do it on our own. God has done incredible things for you and me. And so we celebrate that and we worship Him because of it. He who was fully human and fully divine came to this earth to rescue us. And the Spirit has enabled us, if you're a Christian, to have faith and repentance and to respond to the free gift of life spiritual life that he gives us in christ you didn't do it and i didn't do it all praise and all glory to god and so we're talking about having this sense of belonging and we've talked about god the sovereign lord of history sent john and then god as well made a way for us to believe this is in verses 9 through 11 and the third point here is that god adopts us you want a sense of belonging there is no more ultimate sense of belonging that you can have on this earth than what's told us here in verses 12 and 13 that we have become look at the end of verse 12 children of god now this children of god that's not for everyone everyone is made in the image of god we read about that in genesis 126 but not everyone is a child of God look at verse 12 but to all who did receive him so if you've received him and then what's the phrase that gives clarity that follows what it means to receive him who believed in his name the ones who have received him who have believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God doesn't that just blow you away And that's why Christmas is full of such wonder that we become, we who are the sinners, become children of God. And again, this happens in case we missed it. It doesn't happen because of what we do. Look in verse 13, who were born not of blood, in other words, natural birth, nor of the will of the flesh, anything that we would do, nor of the will of man, anything that someone else would do for us but of God. Only because of what God has done are we enabled to become children of God. And to be his child is to mean we have privileged access and privileged care, the greatest sense of belonging ever, the greatest answer to our loneliness, to our isolation. You're a child of God if you have received him, if you have believed in his name. You know, when I was growing up, my dad was a physician. He was a cardiologist there in Dallas, and my mom would sometimes take us to go visit his office. Maybe we were running errands, and so we'd be close by. So my mom would park the car, and of course, I'd bail out of the car and run in to his office. And I'd fling open the uh, waiting room door. And of course, all the patients who were waiting would do you remember magazines? They'd be reading magazines. They'd, they'd look up, who is this? Who's barging in here? And then I would walk by that, that glass window, you know, that slides back and forth. I'd walk right by that window and I'd grab the next door handle, fling that door open, and I'd run down the hall past the exam rooms right into my dad's office, and then I would sit down in his chair, open those drawers up, see what kind of things I could find. You know, he had one of those uh, reflex hammers. We, we had a lot of laughs with that, and I'd mess with that. And, and I had access, didn't I? Who is this kid? Oh, he's, he's Ray's son. He's the doctor's son. And, of course, the analogy breaks down because my dad would walk in, you know, after my mom caught up with me. And he'd have a chart in his hand. He'd be like, what are you all doing here? (laughs) He wasn't too happy to see me. But how, how joyful the Heavenly Father is when we come into his presence and what access we have, what a privilege we have to go to him in prayer to come to worship his name how he delights and we delight that we have access to the sovereign god of all creation in history we have that access we can ask for good things from him what more do we want what more of a sense of belonging do we have except that he has adopted us. He has made us his children, if we've received him, if we believe in his name. Now, some of us might think for a moment, well, that's pretty good. I I can follow the spiritual analogy that we're orphans and that God adopts us. That's not the biblical idea. If we turn to John chapter 8... Jesus is talking with the disciples because, see, if we were orphans, we might be neutral, but that's not biblically how it's portrayed here. In John 8, Jesus is having a dialogue with the Pharisees, and he speaks about the spiritual reality of their family. John 8:44, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. You see, our family relation, we are not neutral. Being sinners, we belong to a different family. We are not orphans. And what does God do? In the magnitude of his grace and his mercy, he takes us out of one family a family of destruction, a family of lies, and he brings us into a new family. And the church is meant to picture this. You know, we're all from different families, and we have a mix of uh, health and unhealth in our families, but the church is a place we can come to to be part of this new family that mirrors this reality that we are children of God. We are a family based on a promise on a Savior who was sent for us. And we rejoice in this. And this is part of why we celebrate Christmas. We have this access. And some of you have adopted. And it is a beautiful communication of the gospel. Why is that? Because those who don't belong in adoption come to belong as if they never didn't belong and the love that is expressed in that adoption the acceptance for who someone is not what they do this is an expression of the gospel of grace and so we belong we belong because the sovereign god has broken into history and sent john the baptist as a forerunner of christ we belong because he made a way you don't make your own way in christianity god does that for you and then the ultimate sense of belonging he gave the right to become children of god and we are his children because of what christ has done for us and we celebrate this at christmas one of the amazing things we celebrate at christmas is we have the privilege the access and the acceptance of a heavenly father who loves us through Jesus, the son that he sent. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you that indeed we have this sense of belonging. And so when we are lonely, when we are struggling, when we need encouragement, we pray remind us that we are your precious children. And we pray we would give you the glory for it. And through this sense of belonging, Let us act in ways that give you glory and let us be reminded every time we go to prayer the privileged access we have, your care for us, that you are not against us, but in Christ you are for us. And we thank you that we can celebrate that around this time of year. And it's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.